Blog Talk Radio. Radio. Hot dog, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Good evening or afternoon or whatever time frame you're listening to this. My name is John Luke Shapiro. I am a contributor for Forever Blue Shirts. I am your guest host for this evening as Russell Hartman is unavailable today along with Zach Chiger who is unavailable as well. So me and Kevin Krupe, we will come and talk to you about the Rangers post-deadline along with some of the new things that we hear about the NHL draft lottery. So... With that being said, before Kevin gets a chance to call in, I, could, I figured I'll just catch some of you up on what's gone on so far. So obviously this is the post-deadline New York Rangers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the team looks a bit different. They, w- they are, uh, let's just say, younger, less versatile, but at the end of the day, we kind of expected a lot of this to happen. Obviously Kevin Hayes is gone. Adam McQuaid is gone. Matt Zuccarello is gone. So we've been able to gauge how the team is going to look and what the team may look like with a lot of buzz going around about Artemi Panarin and a lot of things going on. You know, possibly Eric Carlson is a potential move. Uh, you know, watching players like Leas Anderson do well, quote-unquote do well, Philip Heal, you know, some having some bumps in the roads and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we all knew this was going to happen. And unfortunately for those who are looking for a playoff spot, I'm sorry to tell you it ain't happening, but no need to fear, no need to fret, because at the end of the day, we'll be looking down at this about two years from now. They will have put together the pieces because I believe in Rangers. Um, I believe in Rangers management, and therefore, uh, you know, we'll we'll be laughing, watching the team make it to the playoffs, and you know, David Quinn with his you know awesome development. People may disagree with me on that. I'll tell you what. People may disagree with the way David Quinn has handled a lot of the young players here so far, but let me tell you, David Quinn has done a phenomenal job at instilling hard work in this youth, instilling hard work in even some of the veterans as well, because you look at a guy like like Brendan Smith, he's done sensational so far. He's done absolutely sensational in terms of, you know, not looking terrible. But at the end of the day, he may not be there at the end of the, he may not be there, you know, down the line. Kevin Shattenkirk may not be down, there down the line, so we have to look at younger guys. One younger guy that I can possibly say that has done well before he got hurt was Libor Hayek. Now, some people had their doubts about him, and obviously I'd have our, I'd have uh, you know, doubts too, considering his numbers in Hartford. But sometimes you just have to let the cat out of the cage, and you know, Hayek did fantastic. Was making solid plays in his own zone. Uh, he was looking good all around defensively and I can honestly say when I went to go see the last my last game I went to was Rangers Devils and uh we well me and my friend we 
we got to see them play Rangers one, of course, and I just kept raving about how well Libor Hayek was just in his own zone. I mean, he was just absolutely looking solid, making crisp breakout passes, looking, you know, he didn't look flustered in his own zone at all. He just looked great, you know. Um, he, uh, you know, he just was moving the puck around. He was moving it well. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he got hurt. So, with that being said, let's take a look at uh, the recent schedule for the New York Rangers. Kevin Krupe will be on shortly. I just want to thank everyone for, uh, you know, giving us the opportunity to come and talk about this and just, you know, have a good time here on uh, on Forever Blue Shirts Radio. If you didn't know already by now, the voice at the end of that last uh, jingle was was mine, of course. <laughs> they asked me to they asked me to do that, and uh, you know, it was uh, it, it was pretty nice. So. Um, so let's take a look at the Rangers' schedule the rest of the way. So obviously, the time that we are recording this, uh, the New York Rangers are currently playing the Detroit Red Wings. As I say this, the game has started. So we will figure out the result you know, once this podcast is released. Um, so let me, let's take a, look at, uh, take a look at the schedule here. Let's see. All right, so now as I take a look at the schedule, I want to say this is him, ladies and gentlemen. Nice round of applause for Forever Blue Shirts contributor and guy who apparently didn't see what I sent to him, <laughs> Mr. Kevin well, Krupe. You know, Kevin, how are you? In my defense, you didn't ask, hey, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you by your phone? And then you just <laughs> decided to shoot off and, oh, you know, be that guy. To just, you oh, know, Kevin. jump the gun. Quick shot, McGee, John Luke Shapiro, everybody. You know, well, he, Kevin, he it's good that you're quite here. A, quite a character. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, no, I'm that, that's that you, what all... You think that. Well, that's what my mother says about me, so you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, def- I would, I wouldn't disagree with you. But uh, before we go on with some of the topics, Kevin, I just was going over the schedule uh, for the remainder of the season. Um, also, let me just bring to note that the New York Rangers lost one of their own recently. Harry Howell passed away uh, recently. Uh, he was one of the blue shirts who had their number retired recently and was arguably one of the strongholds of this franchise for many years. Born 1932, passed away about a couple of days ago. So, you know, we offer our condolences to the Howell family. Us all in Rangerstown, us Ranger fans, we offer our condolences. He was a stronghold for this franchise, and he will be missed, definitely. Definitely. All right. Definitely. So, now that Kevin is here and we can you know, goof around a little bit. Let's look at the end of the, let's look at the end of the year schedule. So right now they play the Detroit Red Wings. Then they play Toronto on the 23rd, which is in Toronto on Saturday. Then they play the Pittsburgh Penguins at home on the 25th. They travel to Boston on the 27th against the Boston Bruins. They come back the home. The Boston Bruins at 7:30. That's an NBC sports net game. Then they go to back home to the garden uh, to play the blues at, uh, March 29th at 7 p.m. end of the month of the 31st they play the Flyers uh, in Philadelphia and then they play Jersey at home on the 1st or Jersey at their home on the 1st of April Senators on the 3rd of April the 5th of the 5th of April the Blue Jackets they play and then to end the season they play the Pittsburgh Penguins away so Kevin so now that you're here in all your glory how do you think the rest my of the glory, season of is going to go down <laughs> So, um, hmm. obviously tonight's game is a very serious one because we are competing with the Detroit Red Wings for 
you know, the tanking. They're tanking. We're tanking. All these games, especially the last stretch, are crucial now that we're in fourth in the tankathon, right? Fourth. Is that mm-hmm. is that true, Jail? So you yeah. know, thin lines. Like it's it's like a different type of like excitement when it comes to this. It's like you know when we're about to make the playoffs or not. It's just it's just as serious because I'm I'm excited for them to lose. Like as as much as people probably hate me saying that, you know, it's, no one wants. You know, you're a trainer. No, oh, yeah. All this stuff. No, no, no. Get over yourself. If you didn't realize the season was over at the trade deadline, I don't know what to tell you, but you might be a little clueless. I'm Um, delusional. What do you expect? (laughs) What do you you mean they're losing? (laughs) Losing hockey games? This is unacceptable, J. Jonah Jameson. Anyways, go ahead. (laughs) All I want is just a fire. So. You know, I was I was doing a little math in my head, which is never a good idea. Um, but you know, there's still a chance the Rangers could come dead last in the standings, and that's if Ottawa wins five of their last ten games, and Rangers win none of their last ten games. So very impossible for Ottawa because they are very bad. Um, it's very possible for the Rangers to actually clinch that third spot with the Devils are holding right now. So a lot of possibilities. The fact of the matter is, we're in this very crucial spot, and we have a very good chance to get this top or even just stay where we are. You know, four to six isn't a bad spot to be in, right? You're in four or five. I keep forgetting if we're actually Well, I think they're five. currently, I think right now, I think they stand to be seventh. If Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone else who wants to tweet at me once this who is released? Think, but, I, why do I think they're in fourth? Well, I, I think I think you think that because of the projections oh, that we're putting I in our head. about Anaheim and Los Angeles. I was only thinking about yeah. Detroit and New Jersey. But Anaheim yeah. is right on our heels, so we can go down. I think my, that was my future sense talking. We're going to end up getting with a fourth pick. But yeah. no, Los Angeles is really bad, too. So, you know, I don't trust them to win anything, at least make no. it even a close game. Um, well, the thing, and, about, the thing about Anaheim – the thing about Anaheim is that they're kind of it's they're they're in a weird situation and it just seems like no matter what they do they just lose you know and the thing about the Rangers is that the Rangers they they're not losing because of lack of effort they're losing because it's just the team as currently assembled is not talented enough to sustain hard attacks from other solid teams like they just got walked all over by Calgary and Minnesota over the weekend and it's kind of like well i mean you know what are you gonna do? I mean, that's just the team. The team currently constructed. You just can't avoid it. You know. No. So. Yeah. It's 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 weird. It's seeing all these teams that were competitors within the last two to three years at the bottom of the standings. You know. But yeah. No. Really. Ottawa beat us when we last time we were in the playoffs. Los Angeles won two cups recently. Well, not recently, but you know, close enough to you know make it a big deal. Detroit's always made the playoffs except for a couple of years ago. Now they're on their third year not making the playoffs. New Jersey yeah. has, you know, you know, New Jersey has their up and downs. Anaheim's always been a good team in my mind. And now we're seeing, like, we're in the bottom. But, you know, all these teams being here, like these specific teams, I just feel like they're not going to be here. They're not that losing mentality type of team where you see, like, the Buffaloes and the Edmontons, the Vancouvers. You know, those guys at the bottom of the standings, those are the teams that you usually see here. You know, but... Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, it's, it's just interesting it's to a, see this like this this bottom of the the rankings. It's like what I thought it was going to be is just completely different. Like I knew the Rangers were going to be down there, 
And I knew Otto was going to be down there. I just didn't think, you know, this many teams were going to be. You know, the the funny thing you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Ottawa, because they've, you know, you look at this, some of the moves, and, and we'll move on to, you know, this is be a good transition into, you know, uh, the next point that I want to make is, you know, just real quick on Ottawa. Ottawa, if you look at what they did for the deadline, you have to give Pierre Dorian credit. The fact that he was able to, you know, somewhat replenish the farm after kind of losing the Duchesne trade is, oh, yeah. you know, it's actually credit to him. It's just that that franchise and that team, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. You know, Pierre Dorian hasn't really been the smartest of all GMs, but it seems like if they do what they want to do the right way and they actually somehow end up getting support from their superiors, I honestly think Ottawa could be a, a viable market again because you can't go wrong with a Canadian market. If you're in a Canadian yeah. market and you're not drawing, then there's a problem. But anyways, so we're talking about bad teams and we're talking about tanking. So this goes into our next point. So obviously from what we've seen, we mentioned this just a little bit ago, that the tank is going as planned. Now, I mentioned this that a lot of people aren't really thrilled about that. And to those who are uh, expecting a playoff spot, I mean, I have some bad news for you. But you <laughs> Even know, though we're not mathematically eliminated. Technically speaking, <laughs> but in our minds and our hearts, we are. But, but, you know, the thing about the Rangers right now is, is that they're not in bad shape. It's just this is a young team, and this is just a team that needs to be molded again. You know, if you look at the state of the team after the lockout, it was something something similar, but not too similar, but then similar at the same time where the team needed to be molded, and they had the veterans uh-huh. like Yager, Shanahan, mold them a little bit. So that's kind of what began the sustainability of success. So I think that's, that is what is going to happen now, just in a different way. So, Kevin, do you think yeah. after the – Last month or so, or the last episode that we did, you really think that the the tank, quote unquote, is they outright said they were rebuilding? Yeah, no one ever wants to admit that you're in a rebuild. Like you know, I'm going to use a small example, a little more popular example with uh, the New York Football Giants, where they uh, get uh, their GM Gettleman. He uh, he doesn't want to say that they're rebuilding fully. They're saying, oh, we're rebuilding, but we're still going to win. Just it doesn't happen. No. GM wants to admit that because if, you know, it doesn't go to plan, then it's like, oh, well, your rebuild failed, so you failed. And then, you know, if it does go to plan and it happens quicker, it's like, oh, man, you didn't even have a rebuild. You know, you turn this thing, whole thing around, and then you can say, well, we were rebuilding the whole time, but no, no, no. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, a lot of people don't like to use the word rebuild because especially a lot of fans are surprised with that. They're like, oh, we're not rebuilding. We can win right now. It's like, do you think that we can do that? I didn't think we could do it with the piece that we had. Especially yeah. the younger guys. Like, I was talking to Steve, one of our writers, yesterday about um, Leas Anderson and uh, how I – because, you know, I don't know if anybody watches the game. That boy Steven was shown on MSG. He got a nice little shout-out. Which, out for by the way, with Leas Anderson. big big ups to Stat Boy Steve, one of our own um, contributors. Jealous. Awesome I wish, guy. I wish I had a somewhat relationship with some of the ranchers like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Steve's Steve, great. He knows his stuff. Steve's great. Yeah, he's really, great. Really I, next, next time – no, go ahead. Go, go on. No, no, no. Go ahead. You were finishing your point. No, I'm next sorry. time, what? Go. No, I, I, I still have my point. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, if I ever meet Steve, uh, then I want to give him a big hug and just say, "You the man." 
I don't know why I said that. If I just want Steve to know, I'll give him a big hug when I see him. Good. <laughs> for I being mean, like, so I'll smart and awesome. Too. He looks like a very huggable type of guy. <laughs> yes, he does. And I'm sure but, Leah Sanderson but, wanted to give him a hug over the glass as well. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. Break the glass <laughs> to give him a hug. Um, so, but me and Steve were talking yesterday, and he was saying, like, oh, you know, everybody discredits Leah Sanderson, but he's still 20, right? He's 20? And yes. Or he's 19, he's 20, no, he's 20. And he's like, look, how many 20-year-olds actually do this well? Like, you know, you really don't see these guys unless they go top five. And I'm like, I completely agree with you oh, because yeah. people want to see immediate results, and I don't blame them. And, you know, I, you know, I still don't like the pick as much as, you know, he does because at the time, Jeff Gordon's like, we're drafting for now. We're drafting it for the most NHL-ready player. And, you know, in some ways he kind of was. But at the same time, he didn't come. He didn't make team out of camp. Obviously, he wasn't NHL ready, or he wasn't better than some guys. So, you know, it's one of those things that makes you look confused. Like, hey, maybe if they pick somebody else like Milstad or you know, um, did Elias Peterson go before or after Leah Anderson? I can't remember. I think he went before. If I'm yeah. correct, that's yeah. let me let me pull, let me pull that up. But go keep going yeah. on your point. But either way, it's just you know you know you weren't going to get a guy like you could have gotten somebody with a lot more upside with some more time to develop. Like, you know, you see, you know, if Phil Peedle didn't get drafted that year, he would have got drafted top five. So that's a great pick. It's just, you know, people make the comparisons, like, oh, he's such a better player because of this. Like, no, because you're younger than him. You know, it's, it, it takes time. You you see what happens when you give these guys minutes. You see what Pavel Buchnevich is getting right now. He got bumped up because of his hard work, which David Quinton, you know, prides himself on. He wants his players to be accountable for their hard work, and that's what he gets. And he's playing, he's rewarding David Quinn for the opportunity to, you know, get more minutes. It's just people need to realize people were discrediting Pavel Buchnevich a year ago, two years ago, the beginning of the season. Because he wasn't producing, like you don't realize that with a younger team, with a rebuilding team, with players that aren't in their prime or, you know, just aren't as good, you're going to have hiccups. Things don't go seamlessly. We don't go in the lottery that much. This is only the – I think when did the lottery, whenever the lottery started, Stephen told me I think it was like the third or fourth time we've actually participated in the lottery itself. Yeah. Or at least had some substantial, like, pick, not like 15, 14, something like that. So it's just it's just at that situation right now where, you know, people need to realize it's going to be a couple of years. If we no, absolutely. There, fantastic. But it's going to take time. And, you know, it's just no one likes losing. I hate losing. You know, I don't want to see the Rangers losing. If they turn around next year and pull uh, Colorado where they surprise everybody, then, yeah, that's fantastic. But right now, my expectations for the next year are the exact same place. They're going to end up within that three to nine range at the bottom of the standings. Well, that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and just to correct uh, what we said, Anderson was actually drafted the pick before Casey Mills. There you go. See, so, so even it supports my argument instead of, you know, devalues. So he, here's my With thing, though. And, and if you look at Middlestat, Middlestat is not really – doing so well. I mean, he's not terrible, but he's actually putting up similar numbers to what Philip Hedl is doing. And what I think a lot of people misunderstand is that just because a player is picked top 10, he's not automatically just... People want that. They do. And I think what mm-hmm. a, a lot of people are expecting is that this he's going to get picked top 10, and he's just going to come in and just start killing everything, which ideally you'd want to see that, considering, you know, I mean, it is a high-round pick, but some players develop differently than under others. And you look at a center of all positions, a center, you know, unless it's like a really elite player like an Elias Patterson, you know, which the uh-huh. Rangers were trying to get, 
you know, centers take a little longer to develop, just like defensemen. Not not as long, but unless they have this this insane yeah, skill that be cannot be missed. Yeah. Yeah. And you want your center to build up defensive skills because he's the uh, essentially the third defenseman on the ice. Exactly. What so, I was say. And, yeah. and and another thing about you know Leah Anderson too is that he's starting to get a better feel of the game, and you can see his game start to round out a little bit more. You know, they, look what happened with Filipino. When I, I I made a I made a bold statement on this podcast. Uh, with Russ and I think you were here for that episode, and I said it was it was the Thursday that they played the Islanders last year, and I said when Philip Heedle starts to get, and I'm pounding my fist as I'm saying this, Philip Heedle gets top ten minutes or top line minutes, he's going to produce, and he went on a four game goal scoring streak. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you know these guys are human, and some players adjust quicker than others. Not to say that this discredit Leah Sanderson in any sort of facet of his game whatsoever, but his style is a bit different than, a, say, a Patterson or even a Nico Heischer. His style is different. He has a different skill set. So maybe that skill set is going to develop differently than a Patterson or even a Merrill Heiskin, a defenseman, or even an Oling Patrick. So I, what I think Ranger fans need to do is they just need to take it in stride. Because if you take a look at that trade that got them that seventh pick, it's actually working out for the Rangers right now. Because Leas Anderson is on pace to break uh, pretty much you know, not, not not break. Break's the wrong word. He's going to outproduce Stepan. I love Stepan. We all do. We all, you know, he was great for us, but Stepan's lost a step. He's a little slower. Still has a great shot, but he's still he's not the same center that he was before. Leah uh-huh. Anderson is having promise. He's 20 years old. You can't just toss any other 20 year old into the fire and expect him to just start doing well. You know, you, you also got to think of it this way. You know. He's coming from a different country. How well does he speak English? He's also playing on a completely different ice surface. He doesn't really know anybody. He's, you know, he has a lot of pressure on him as a 19, 20-year-old coming into a, a best league in the world with the highest stakes in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've you got to think that, you know, he, like you said, he's human. He's a human being. It takes time. And, you know, you know I, it, it's just hard. It's just hard for these kids, you know, get their step in, you know, as long as it's not discouraging them and, you know, as long as they're going to form and they, they understand that they're going to be better with time, then that's all you Absolutely. can ask for. It's just like, you know, next year is one of those years where it's like, you know, it could be really good. There's a possibility where it could be very, very good for them. You know, mm-hmm. you know, example, you sign Panarin, number one. I mean, like, that's just, that's what everybody's the consensus says. Everybody thinks that everybody's, they're going to get Panarin. There's a good chance that if it doesn't happen, oh, well, don't cry about it. I'll cry about it, but don't cry about it. Number two, you know, you see players like Filipino start to really come into his own. You see Leas Anderson finally make that step up to third, you know, the third string um, center or the second string center. You know, Brett Howden mm-hmm. starts to produce more. Lemieux, you know, stays to form like we're, we're seeing, and we're going to talk about him in a second. But, you know, you know, some of the defenses start rounding out. Neil Pionk's defense gets better. Tony D'Angelo takes a better step in his offensive abilities. You know, Libor Hayek, Lindgren, all these defensive prospects are coming up with who come up. Shattenkirk starts playing better. It's just all these things that could hit at the same time can make this team very dangerous. But at the same time, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's not going to happen automatically. It takes time. So, you know, we'll see. And then we'll see who they draft this year. If they magically get the first pick, if something happens and they they all, all the stars line, we get Capo Caco or um, Jack Hughes, 
then yay, we have an automatic player that's <laughs> slotting into yeah. the top six minutes that's uh-huh. going to be a game changer for the next five to seven years before we re-sign to a ridiculous contract and we all want them gone. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, look, absolutely. Going off and, of what I was saying, so now Brendan Lemieux, how do you like his play? How do you feel uh, like you like you? My question to you is like you know he got this time, he got his ice time. You know he's playing, you know he's playing bruiser minutes. He's playing bottom, bottom line minutes. Like now he's gotten this opportunity to showcase who he really is. What do you like about him the most? Is it is it is it his physicality? Is it his you know ability to like you know turn plays into scoring chances? What, what is it? Well, first of all, thank you for that seamless transition, Kevin. You are a gentleman and a scholar. Um, thank you. I, I know you're <laughs> that jealous. was fantastic. Try to hold it in. <laughs> but uh, Brandon Lemieux is pretty much exceeding the expectations I originally thought. I thought, yeah, he's going to come in and he's going to be a little bit of a bruiser and he's just going to kind of, you know, do a little bit of what Cody McLeod did. But this guy is an energy bringer. I can honestly tell you the God's honest truth. I went to the game. I went to two games in March. I went to the game against the Canadians, which was great. I got to single Canada with a bunch of uh, French Canadians, which was great. Um, and then I went to the game against the Devils. And the thing that I liked was that even though the Rangers were down and out at some points of those games, you just see Brendan Lemieux out there. He was just giving it his all. And he was body checking. He was throwing hits. He was getting into the rough areas. He was putting himself in front of the net. He was getting down and dirty. He was getting in front of the face of a lot of the opponents. And you can see that the team feeds off on that because – they're just they're a little more feistier now, you know. They just seem a little more on edge. I honestly think that's how they were able to beat the Devils that night. Not to say that the Devils are any good, but the Devils had a mm-hmm. real firm control in that game. It's always, it's and always one, a toss-up with the Devils, no matter where yeah, they, either course. one of them are in the standings. Yeah, agreed. And you know, and even in the even in the Montreal game that they lost, uh, you can see that when he came out and did his thing, the team had a little bit more of a bump. And, you know, over the last couple of months or so before and after the trade, you can see the team is a little more into it, even though they're out of a playoff spot. You know, I think Lemieux brings that quality that Avery had. And, you know, obviously Uh we all know what Sean Avery's capable of. And one of the things that Avery was able to do was able to get his team, you know, riled up. And, you know, it just seems like Lemieux wants to be here. He wants to prove himself. And you know what? That's perfect for a young team like this because then you even look, – look at a young guy like Leas Anderson. Okay, Lemieux's a little older. But a young guy like Leas Anderson who is known to have some, uh, some kind of a grit in his game, a player like that could elevate him to maybe a different level that maybe we don't even know about. Or maybe he adds that style to his game and he actually ends up doing pretty well. People don't people have to understand that that role of an energy guy is terribly important in the NHL nowadays and the prime example of this was prime Milan Lucic. Now, as love him or hate him, I couldn't stand the guy when he was a Bruin. But he's had some skill and guess what? He was able to put a lot of fire under those Bruins teams. And I tell you, a lot of those games that they won at the skin of their teeth, especially in the playoffs, wouldn't have happened without Milan Lucic being there. Obviously, they've had some other factors, of course, but you have to understand the role that these type of players play. You know, this is a long game, long season, and you need energy guys like that. I think there was a stat when Sean Avery was a Ranger. I think, if I'm correct... Whenever the Rangers had Avery, they were, I think, 25 games over 500. 
And I think that was one of the reasons why those, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009 teams were so good was because Sean Avery lit a fire under everyone and everybody loved it. So if the Rangers can get something like this out of Brandon Lemieux, who is younger, a little more versatile, has better hands than an Avery or even a Lucic, I, that's a very bold statement on my part, but I'm going to stick yes, at it. it um, but keep going. <laughs> you know, I honestly think that's good. They need a guy like that. They just they need a guy like that. Adam McQuaid was that guy for the first part of the season, but you can only throw your defenseman out there for so long considering McQuaid's age and whatever. I love McQuaider. Mm-hmm. He's great here. Godspeed in Columbus. But now you have that on the forward side. He's younger, and they needed that. So you add maybe another guy like that with a little more skill and then maybe a strong center, and I think this team can go surprise a lot of people next season. Well, just to go off the Lemieux comment, so, you know, he, you know, all those things that you say remind me of. It reminded me of Scott Hartnell a lot, and I was when you know after Avery wasn't on the team anymore, um, I was I was very envious of uh, you know of Scott Hartnell and and the Flyers because you know this is the guy this is the guy who gets into the dirty areas and he scores and he knows when to pick fights. He he he's a bruiser, but he's he's a playmaker at the same time and. You know, you look at Brendan Lemieux's game and the way he's been playing. He, like, if you want to tally this under hockey IQ, I, that's what I would do. But, you know, just more like bruiser IQ, just knowing when to pick fights. You know, you can get a big hit on your goalie and, you know, hey, look, you, you fight the guy who did it, but then you're out for five minutes. He knows when he's needed on the ice, but he really knows when the team needs a, a fire under their, under their, uh, under their asses. So this, this kid's got promise. He, he was drafted 31st overall before, you know, there were 31 teams. So he was first in the second round. You know, that's still pretty impressive. First mm-hmm. two rounds are still, you know, the first round is the first round. Like that's, There you go. But the second round, early in the second round, those could still be considered first-round picks. That's where it starts to fluctuate. After 15th pick, everything starts to fluctuate. You know, it's very mm-hmm. unsure. So, you know, oh, yeah. this guy could have – I'm not saying he could have went, you know, top 20. I'm not saying that, but it's very possible. You know, a team that needs that kind Absolutely. of physicality. You know, I like his game a lot, and I'd be very upset if they don't re-sign him. I don't see them not re-signing him. You know, he's an RFA, yeah. so they have his rights. And the way he's been well, I mean, the way he's been showing that he wants to it be would, here. It would be illogical. Gave you gave me an opportunity. Absolutely. It would be kind of illogical for them not to re-sign him, considering they do have a lot of cap space, and they did just trade him for Kevin Hayes, who, you know, yeah. to Kevin Hayes' credit, Obviously was a very a big part of the franchise. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you want to bring him back in the sense of you wouldn't want to lose that investment. And, and, and Coach Quinn, David Quinn, rather, has gone on record. I gotta, I, I'm in this habit of saying Coach Quinn because I get the tweets from the Rangers straight to my phone, and it says Coach Quinn. So it's like, I don't like Coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, that's <laughs> true. He is Coach, Coach Quinn. But, uh, you know, they, they've said on record that they loved his game. That, that was one of the players that they wanted from Winnipeg. And if they like his play so much, you can – you can definitely bank on him being on the team next year. And I, okay. I think it'll be a plus, you know. And and the one thing I like that they did, too, before we move on to another prospect, was uh, that they use him for power play time, which I think is honestly phenomenal because, you know, a lot of younger hockey fans don't really remember how important it was to have a big dude in front of the net, you know, especially uh-huh. if they had, like, shooters from the point. Like, I think for a while, I don't know if they, the Bruins, I don't know if the Bruins still do it or not, but um, they just throw Zdeno Chara in front and they move it around and they just have him stand there. I think that's how they were able to score a lot of their goals. 
because <laughs> they just threw Chara, a guy's 6'9", and you stack him in front of the goalie. So, you know, Lemieux's not, you know, terribly tall, but he's yeah. a big body. A big, and I think the Rangers big, did yeah. it with Brian Boyle for a little bit, too. So I think that would that's be something good, that know, they could take Brian advantage Boyle, of. You know, that's another comparison that you can make, like a guy, bottom line minutes, a guy could spot up at the top line minutes when you need him to, mm-hmm. or not even need him to, just, you know, you think he's going to be that good. So, you know, it's 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 just very interesting to see this kid. Like I was, all of us were pleasantly surprised with this guy. I thought he was going to just be a bruiser. I thought he was just going to be that third line type of guy that, you know, he's been in the AHL every once in a while. More like, hey, can you take this guy off our hands and we'll give you the first round pick. No, this is a legitimate player that's going to be on the Rangers for at least two to three more years if, you know, the Rangers aren't complete idiots. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. And I think if they're able to supplement uh, players like that, I think they'll be, you know, they'll be set, you know, very well. You know, the Rangers have done a, a great job in, in, in getting players who can, you know, look great when they put them on the NHL ice, Libor Hayek included. But I want to transition to another player here who I don't think a lot of Ranger fans knew about. Uh, I covered him for some time uh, when I started off at Forever Blue Shirts. I was asked to cover some prospects that weren't in Hartford, and his name is Morgan Barron. So the Rangers selected Morgan Barron with the 274th pick of the 2017 NHL entry draft. And now in his sophomore season yes i think yeah this is sophomore season he's absolutely tearing it up and the numbers here say that at 29 games at center he's potted in 13 goals and 17 assists uh in ivy league play he's had four goals and six assists and he was selected as a finalist for the ecac uh, ecac best defensive forward award and not only that he's also coming off a career year with points and face-offs so we're looking at a guy like Morgan Barron. What do you think he can possibly contribute or, or, or become? Because apparently it seems like he's tearing it up in college so far, and it seems like he's doing pretty well for themselves. And, you know, in discussions with, like, myself and, and even, you know, our pal Russell and, and a couple other people, it seems like this guy has a pretty legitimate shot at the NHL. So what do you think, Kevin? Well, I have to automatically hate him because he's one of my alma mater's rivals. So, <laughs> oh boy, no, here we I'm go. I'm just mad that Quinnipiac mm. got knocked out in the first round in the ECAC uh, tournament. But they're going to the NCAA tournament, and that's all that matters. So, you know, <laughs> you're right. Morgan Barron was one of those guys, you know, that you kind of hope for. You know, anything past round four, even if you could say we're past round three is more of a diamond ring than a rough player, you know, guys that you can trade for later, you know. Hey, look, he had an upside in the WHL. Hey, look, he's playing well in the AHL trying to get this guy. But, you know, he's, he's surprising a lot of guys. I, Again, I take the NCAA just like I take a lot of those junior hockey teams with a grain of salt because you aren't playing against older, more veteran type of players. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's a very, very like difficult line to kind of get at, but when you're recognized by the ACAC as a first team player, you know, it's pretty it's pretty impressive because there are I think twelve teams in that league and you know, obviously you can only fill out one team roster spot. Well, it, it, it's, it's no fluke. Let's just it's say no, that. it's not it's not a re- it's, yeah, no, it's it's a legitimate <clears throat> league. There's Yale, there's Quinnipiac, there's Brown, there's uh Cornell, there's uh Colgate, Dartmouth, all these good 
great teams. You can say it's more of a smarter type of area because of Yale and Brown, but you know, and Hartford. But you know, it's it's they're Hartford, Harvard. But you know, these this this, this league is serious. They're very legitimate teams that come out of there, specifically Quinnipiac, which is my alma mater. But you know, um, it's it's just it's like these teams are competing every year. Yale won um, the NCAA tournament my freshman year, I think 2013 which was very upsetting for me. But, <laughs> no, this, this league is legitimate. Like, you know, they're not, they're, it's not, they're not taking it for granted. You know, it's a very, very good league. But at the same time, again, NCAA is grain of salt type of area. But Morgan Barron is impressed. He's gotten – this is his sophomore year, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a point per game, still pretty good. So, you know – Point per game anywhere is solid, honestly. Yeah, point per game anywhere besides you know when you're scoring 150 points when in your when you're 16 year old playing against other 16 year olds. But yeah, it's just it's it's impressive. Uh, well, again, well, I don't really know a lot about him. You know more about him than I do, so I'll really mm-hmm. let hand the baton over to you. Well, let me let me just say this: from what I've been able to gather so far, he he's got size, okay, and. The one thing I noticed just from seeing clips and just doing some reading and and taking a look at you know uh, taking a look at you know the way he plays and whatever on the wing and at center, it seems like now he's starting to become a lot more defensive re- defensively responsible and he's making a lot of easy plays for the breakout. And one of the things I noticed is that he's actually not that bad with the puck. And you know I was I was uh, taking a look trying to compare him to. Uh, a player that either was on the Rangers or played for the Rangers, but he's fast. Not that he's Michael Grabner fast, but it seems like uh-huh. he's very shifty. And being that he's a he's he's a little bigger than you know most, it seems that he he just knows when to use his body and then cause a play. Like I think I was watching one. Uh, if I'm correct, I'm going to pull the club, uh, clip here for myself just to you know look at it again. Uh, I think they were playing Colgate, and I think he either assisted in the tying goal or the go-ahead goal. But he just powered straight through. And it reminded me a little bit of a Kreider, but it also reminded me of like uh, Michael Grabner, too, in the sense of that you know he just kind of is able to burst right through. So I think if he develops properly, I really think that he can have a lot of you know speed in his game and also be a physical presence. And and this this goes into something I was thinking about. Now you look at the, a lot of the players that the Rangers are getting, or the Rangers are trying to develop. You look at a guy like a Brett Howden, even a Brendan Lemieux, uh, even Elias Anderson. What they're trying to do, and this goes back to the rebuild point. This also is about Morgan Barron as well. Is that they're trying to get all around players? But not only they're trying to get all around players, they're trying to get all around players who are uh, skilled. Now. What do you mean by that? It sounds like a very generic statement. If you watched a lot of the players that the Rangers had picked over the years, they were good players, but they were kind of one-dimensional in a sense. And the perfect example of this is J.T. Miller. I love J.T. Miller. Uh-huh. I loved what he did with the Rangers, but J.T. Miller was not fast. J.T. Miller was not good as a center. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get players who can play both center and wing, transition them around, and see where they fit. And then from there, you pick the rest of the pieces and put them together. So you look at a guy like Morgan Barron, who has size, but is also terribly good with the puck. That adds to that adage. Another player that fits that mold is someone who's currently in Hartford right now, if I'm correct. Uh, Ricky can yell at me if I'm wrong. Is Tim Gettinger. 
Tim Gettinger, the kid's this big, tall, gangly center, but he's actually not half bad as a defensive center who can score some goals. So if you look at what they're trying to do is they're trying to just get a certain type of all-around player so that they don't – and this is another thing that I was trying to say to a couple of the guys on uh, on our blog as well and to some arguments that I've made is that you know I think someone was talking about John Gilmore and him coming up, and I think John Gilmore is great. Not a first pair D, I hate to say that, but I still think John Moore, John Gilmore is a fantastic player in his own right, and I think he could fit with this team going forward. But if you look at what they're trying to do with the farm, you ever noticed every so often the Rangers would sign like an offshoot kind of player, like a Lee Stepniak or even a Michael Grabner yeah, yeah, yeah. or a, Brand, a Brandon Peary, right? So I think something yeah. in me, the Rangers, something in me tells me the Rangers are trying to get those types of players for themselves and have them cheap in their system so that they can spend more on bigger tier players and they don't have to go. I don't want to say dumpster diving. That's not the best way to put it. But they don't want to go to the, the bargain bin, you know? So yeah, when you yeah. got look at players like a Morgan Barron and you look at a player like a Tim Gettinger and even some of the defensive prospects like a Hayek, like a Lindgren, like a Rykov, you know, agree or disagree, you may not think that they're solid prospects or they are prospects that are solid. Either way, they're building them to their mold instead of getting someone from the outside and I think that will help this team down the line later on. Well, when you get those guys from the outside, and part of it was also because of during those years that we did sign the Stepniak and Michael Grabner and, like, Nick Holden, we were in, like, the win-now mode where it was mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of prospects in the pipeline. And if we did, it was either, you know, our best or some random dumpster fires, like you like to say, that we got in the trade that were just ridiculous. So, you know, now that we have, like, the time to mold these guys in the AHL or, you know, bring them up to the NHL and see where they fit, you know, then then you're going to have these guys that kind of, like, you could tell, it's like, okay, we're going to put him in the center position on the third line because that's where we see him fitting the best. And if he doesn't, then we'll ship him over in-game or next game or let him sit or like, all this kind of stuff where it's like, look, we're going to have control over him for the next few years. And mm-hmm. if we don't like what we see, we get thrown down for no penalty. It's just – you know, getting these kind of, I don't want to say core guys, but kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't know what word to use other than core, but getting these core type of players that, you know, you could slot in, play the defensive, you know, zone face-offs, play like those, those penalty kill minutes, those guys that are, you know, really grinders and play the important minutes that we really don't like to see as much because all we're about is, oh, how many goals has he scored? How many assists has he got? What's his point mm-hmm. total? That kind of thing. Like, these are the guys that make or break your team, especially in a playoff run. And like you said, if Morgan Barron has a nice defensive mindset about him, if he wants to be the better defenseman, the better defensive forward, then he's going to focus on that route, and that's what, you know, Quinn is going to do with him. And another good thing about this, I like the the reason why I like having college guys on the team is because our coach is now a college coach. Absolutely. And he understands the – the mindset and the grind like these kids only play on the weekends and on like Tuesdays. And mm-hmm. that's it. Like I yeah. used to cover these mm-hmm. games and that's what it would be. It would be Tuesday game, maybe a Thursday game and then Friday, Saturday game. And that's it. And you know, they have a very strict schedule and now having to swap over from a very strict schedule to a very time consuming, very, you know, strenuous schedule and who I forgot well, who's careers the now. Hmm? It's their careers now, so, I mean, you have to do it every exactly. day. I mean, instead of doing it part-time, you're doing it yeah, legitimately like, you're full-time. Yeah, and you're focusing on school, and now it's, 
you don't know how you're going to adapt to have, just focusing on one thing 100% of mm-hmm. your time because that's what these young prospects have to do. And I forgot who said it, but one of the players is like in his first full season, was like, yeah, I didn't expect it to be this tough. I think it might have been Filipino, but I think I think Jimmy were... VC had said something similar too. Yeah, something, uh, during yeah, his like, first season, see, I think like, he's he... younger guys. It's like you're you're playing 82 games against larger men, like mm-hmm. not kids who are still your size, still developing to a certain extent. You're playing yeah. these men in a men's league, and you have all this pressure, especially in New York. You have a lot of media coverage in New York. You know, it's not like you're in Tampa Bay or you're in Minnesota or Arizona or somewhere that's not as much mm-hmm. and not as bad. But, you know, Chicago, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, places like that, you have the media down your throat all the time. It's very, very, you know, distracting for you. So having a Absolutely. coach that understands how to transition these guys from college, because he's still learning himself as a full-time coach, from college to the NHL is a huge deal. So I do like the that Morgan Barron is showing promise in that. You know, one day he might just be with the Rangers. Maybe this season? Maybe not. Depends. <laughs> it depends if he wants well, to, you know, from college and go straight to the NHL. Well, one of the thing, one of the things that I like about Coach Quinn, and and and, and this will be the last point on this before we go to our next topic, uh, our last topic of the night, is the thing I like that Coach Quinn has done with a lot of the players from college is that if they seem to be echoing a lot of his work ethic and not only just the college players who are fresh off from coming to college, but also the players who used to play in college who are now, uh, you know, taking those things and, and applying them. Like you look at a guy like a Kevin Shattenkirk who looked kind of lost mm-hmm. out there for the most part of last season. And he's actually looked a lot better. Say what you want, Ranger fans. I think Kevin Shattenkirk does look significantly better than he did last season, and part of that is not only because he's not hurt, but also because I just think that he's... Yeah, and, you know, another thing, too, is that you can tell not only has he been good with the college players, but just with the younger players in general from having... Uh, from having worked in the United States Developmental Program and worked with the Lake Erie Monsters for the Colorado Avalanche AHL team. So I I think that, you know, if everything turns out okay, I think he will have been able to tap into many different uh, types of mindsets, including the college players. And if Morgan Barron ends up turning into something well, and, you know, we'd have to give, you know, David Quinn a lot of credit for that. So now... Uh-huh. Our final topic of the evening tonight is the draft lottery. The one thing that uh, a lot of us uh, realistic Ranger fans, again, just just poking the bear. If anyone gets offended by this, I'm sorry. Just poking the bear. <laughs> you know, just have a little fun with it. Because um, I know, I know a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of fans are a little upset that the team hasn't done so well. Patience, my friends. Everything will turn out okay. This team, uh, these are not the New York Mets, and these guys know what they're doing. So, now, generally <laughs> speaking, the, the the draft lottery is after the playoffs, but this time around they decided to do it a little earlier, and they will hold, the National Hockey League will have the draft lottery picking – the number one pick to number 15 on Tuesday, April 9th, which is the day after my birthday. So I will be 26, quote unquote, when this happens. So please, if anyone wants to give me something nice, my size in jeans is a size 31, 32. Anyways, so. Why do you want jeans out of anything else? <laughs> um, the, like so shirt. pretty much. <laughs> well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate your support. <laughs> so 
the obviously the draft lottery will be revealed live uh, by the national rights holders. It'll be shown on NBC. It'll be shown on Sportsnet and TVA, which is I think the French uh, version uh, up in uh, Quebec. And you'll have the first lottery law, and then the second lottery draw, and then the third lottery draw, and then they will continue to go from there. So just some of the odds here. So the first three picks. So you go from non-playoff team fewest points the most. So the odds have not changed from last year. So the first overall pick has a you know the first overall pick has a you know eighteen eighteen point five percent chance of getting the first overall pick. It's just the worst team. Second worst team has a thirteen point five percent chance of getting the first overall pick, and the third worst team has an eleven point five percent chance. And obviously the list goes down. So with that being said, this is an odd time for Ranger fans to be in because. Every other time, we've never really had to worry about this practice here. We've always been accustomed to, all right, well, you know, since we're made it to the second round of the playoffs, so third round, we kind of know we're going to get a late 20 pick or whatever. But now, this is actually one of the more defining moments in the franchise's trajectory right now in the sense of, my goodness, this pick can really either determine what can happen the next couple of years or not. Kevin, your thoughts? So it depends on what pick they get. <laughs> it really does. It's just it's a very, very, like, difficult situation that we're in because, you know, you want this team to be bad. You want them to get a better pick. And part of it is just, like, how much luck they've had while tagging this past week and a half or two weeks where, you know, teams like Edmonton, Vancouver – you know, uh, Chicago, Anaheim, the way they've been winning and just the Rangers flat out losing. Obviously, you know, losing in overtime still gets you points, but the fact mm-hmm. that they've only won one game in the last 10 games just shows promise to to, uh, to me that we might get, like, you know, a top five pick. Um, but, you know, I think part of this is just, you know, uh, wait, did you say that they're announcing it from first on to fifteen, not fifteen to first. No, they usually yeah. usually they do they usually do the first lottery draw, second lottery draw. Well, it, yeah, they usually no, they usually no, no, go no. Last either year, the way they did it. They went from fifteen and then they went down to first, and that's how you knew Cal, that's how you knew Carolina had a top three pick or not. Well, I think they're they're doing it a little bit differently this year from what I'm reading on NHL.com. It says the 2019 draft lottery will consist of three drawings. First lottery draw will determine the club selecting first overall. Second lottery draw will select the club picking second. The third will determine the third. Now, that's what I'm I'm reading that right now. Maybe I'm I'm not processing that properly. the The way I read it was the only time you're doing the lottery draw is for the first three picks, and then after everything after that is based off of record. Based off a record, yeah. Yeah. So, so possibly, so, so possibly they may do it the way they did it before, where they'll go three, two, one, or maybe they go, you know, three, one, and two. Probably, I'm not sure. They're doing things a little differently this year. I apologize if I'm, you know, misunderstanding this because, again, this is pretty much not that this is new to all of us, but you know, the NHL has been changing a lot of things over the last couple of years, so we need to see when it happens to see how they go for it. But either way. Um, this is this is going to be something that can potentially change the trajectory of this franchise for the next couple of years. Because let's, let's be honest, let's be honest, okay? With the the way the team is currently playing right now, they're more than likely not going to get a third 
second, even a first. And it sucks to say that because you know why? I really want them to get it because it would be nice to get yeah. a guy like a Hughes or a Capo Caco. But again, that's not a threat here. Like third once ever. Yeah. <laughs> the, I think the last time they had a top, really top tier pick, it turned out to be, I don't know, knock, knock, Brian Leach. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, the, 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 the thing that, that I'm not necessarily too worried about is you look at the way the draft unfolded last year and they had – what, I think Sedina dropped? A couple of players dropped, as a matter yeah. of fact. I think Kat Kaniemi went before Zadina, if I'm correct. And I it don't was, it necessarily... Was very, it was a very strange draft. It was a very strange draft. And you get the whole Wallstrom-Kratzoff thing, which I hope all the Ranger fans are over it by now. And, you know, it just... It was, it was strange. So, you know, the Rangers could end up getting a terrible, awesome stroke of luck where it could turn out, oh, my gosh, hey, Jack Hughes falls to number five, even though I'm sure that's not going to happen. But let's say the mm-hmm, Rangers yeah. end up getting number five and Jack Hughes is there. Or, hey, Dylan Cousins, he falls right under our lap. That would work out considering they just signed his line mate. So, you know, I mean, you just you can't ever really tell because you just never know. I think, what was it, a couple years ago when McDavid was drafted, everybody thought that Buffalo was getting that pick because they were so bad, and it turned out Edmonton ended up getting it. So you just you no never really know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, no, knock on wood. Steve's not going to be happy when he hears us saying that. <laughs> oh, no. There's no collusion in this. There's no there is no collusion. And then we can yeah. bring up the fabled uh, cold envelope for the Knicks, but whatever. Oh um, yeah, well that's a different that's league, a different different, different different way they did things back in the day. I think they back they probably the had day. Jimmy Hoffa involved a couple of things and whatever. Like yeah, you give me give me that and we'll we'll be fine. Give me, you know, give, me, give me the gobble cool and then we'll. we'll yeah, <laughs> well no, let's not offend any let's not offend anyone when we do this here. You know. <laughs> I can say it. I'm Italian. Oh okay, so you can get away with it. Fine, whatever. Me me being a minority as well. I mean. I don't know. You but look, anyway, you look Italian, so I guess that kind of counts, right? Well, I think it's the beard. It might be the <laughs> beard. You're right. <laughs> but anyways, so going back, so now we know where this team currently stands, the Rangers. We know what is going to happen. Now, we go into the summer. We'll have way more time to talk about this as we go on. But real quickly before we end, Kevin – just mm-hmm. a quick, brief summary of what you think is going to happen with the Rangers this offseason. Do you think they go big for Carlson and Panarin? Do you think that they go and they just get Panarin or maybe offer sheet uh, Mitch Marner? They have to do something. And in and, and all the news reports that said that this team is primed to, you know, go far. So, I'm sure I mean, or, go, or go hard in free agency. Week. So what do you think? Yeah, I'm sure in the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this again, and then we're going to be talking about it until July 1st in Nauseam about who they're going to offer sheet, who they're going to sign, you know, is there going to be a trade for Kreider, all of this kind of stuff. But in my opinion, I don't want Eric Carlson. As much as other people want Eric Carlson, I think that will be a very Torres Achilles tendon. That's not an injury you really come back from. He's suffering two separate groin injuries this season that, are pretty much going to put him out until the playoffs start. Um, Eric Carlson, as much of a good player that he is, I don't think he is the answer at defense. I think we have players right now. I'm not saying we have an Eric Carlson type. I am not saying anybody on the team at this moment is Eric Carlson-esque, but there are players that can fill roles 
right now. There are players that are defensively capable enough and that are still learning and still taking their time to develop that are going to be either good or even great in the next year or two. So going big on a defense and we have traded for all these defensive prospects in the past two years is a big mistake. Um, This is where I I want Panarin. And even if we don't get Panarin, just eventually a goal scorer because the Rangers, we see from time and time again, a lot of the games are defined, um, you know, either it's a make-or-break game when it comes to the goaltending or the defense because the Rangers can only score a goal or two or, you know, the occasional or (laughs) maybe the sixth you know, that one time every two years they score six goals. But, you know, you yeah. need a guy like Panarin. You need <laughs> players that are, you know, not even just snipers, just playmakers, guys who throw the puck in good areas. But more important than not, guys who shoot the puck. I can't mm-hmm. stand it how many times they yell at my TV, yell at the game, or just, like, sh- like, just go on rants for no reason about why these guys have to shoot this damn puck more. It's like, it's like you know, the great Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so if you're not taking shots, you're not going to win the game. Henry no. Lovelace can't Absolutely. score goals. No, I, I agree the 100%. The defense are less likely to score goals. I, it's just, I know it's turning around right about goal scoring, but I see them starting to marry. <laughs> Personally, um, they're going to probably package one or two of this. Like, I know they're – I'm hopeful that they get two more first-round picks in this year. Somehow Dallas makes it past the second round. Somehow – probably not as unlikely as that, but, you know, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup and we get their pick, we can package that and win a pick, pick, pick and Chris Kreider for a top 15 or even a top 10 pick. So, you know, I Kreider I can see gone, Panarin I see signed, and the Rangers could have anywhere between two and four picks or two top 10, top 10, top 15 picks in this draft. Well, either way, we anticipate a very eventful summer. And we anticipate mm-hmm. a lot going on. So with that being said, I think that'll wrap up the evening uh, for today. Kevin, thank you for coming on. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on as always. Thank, thank I you for give having a, me. I, I want to give. I was late, even though you know. Oh, okay. Early. Get over it. No, you just... you were there for the rest of the hour. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I want to give. A, I want. Like I started it. What? <laughs> oh. Anyways, anyways, I want to give a nice big shout out to Russell Hartman, Zach Chiger, and Anthony Scultore, and obviously Papa Tilt, of course. Thank you guys for have, allowing us to oh. spew our our crazy opinions and uh, allowing us to be a part of this. So with that being said, continue wait, to enjoy wait, the rest of the season. Thing. I want to say one thing. I want you get to say the last thing. I don't want to say one thing too. I didn't know it was like you know final closing remark on this on this matter. But uh, yeah. I want to thank and running out of time. No, I'm sorry. You have some time. Give me two minutes. Give me two minutes. I need to get 30 seconds. Go on. So I want to thank Ant because he's really trying to keep this thing afloat. Um, we've had some trouble with uh, the site recently, and he's really trying his hardest. So um, I know a lot of if you guys are listeners. If you guys read the site, mm-hmm. you know, patience with us. You know, it's a, it's a hard time. We're getting a lot of viewership and, you know, kind of the servers are all messed up, and it's just it's a difficult situation for us, but we are putting out content. Please don't Absolutely. kill us yet. And it's lucky that we're in a kind of down part of the season, and, you know, all we have to talk about is the, the next draft. But, you know, be patient with us, and thank you for consistently coming and listening, and thanks, Ant, for everything you do. But, yeah, now you can take it away, Jail, Mr. All righty. <laughs> thank you, Kev, for those words, and we'll catch you guys next time here on Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Have a good evening, and let's go, Rangers. <laughs> Thank you.
what's going on. You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.